It's hard to see it, right? We don't uh, struggle alone, though. No, God is with us, leading us where we need to be, just as he did with Naomi and Ruth. The title of the lesson tonight is, And It Just So Happened. And I love the, the title of this thought because, uh, the title of this lesson, because it doesn't just happen, does it? I mean, it just so happened, da 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 No, what we will find out, and really we've already seen this, and it's going to start building together from the story of Ruth, is God is working. Some things are being presented, and as we live our lives, I hope that what we can gain from this lesson tonight is that we can see those things in front of us. We can see those things that are offered to us that will help us, that will encourage us to let us know that the Lord is in our lives. You know, despite the, the bitterness of Naomi, as we talked about uh, several weeks ago, you know, we know that, uh, look with me real quick in Ruth chapter 1, uh, in verse 6, it says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So therefore, in her mind, she gets ready to make her departure back to the place where she needed to be. Isn't that how it is? You remember the prodigal son? You remember when he came to himself, when he was out in a pig pen feeding these pigs and eating the slop? What did he do? I'd be better off at my dad's house. I'd be better off at my father's house. At least I could be a servant there, and he would at least give me something good to eat. But it's exactly where he needed to be. Isn't that how it is in our lives sometimes? I know me personally, I can attest to that. I know personally I've been in some positions where I should not have been. And you know, when I think about it, when I realize that no temptation God doesn't help with, no temptation does God leave you stranded. No, God is always there and he always provides the escape. Are we ready to receive it? Amen? So we see that Ruth uh, um, comes with Naomi and they travel. And I want to look at verse 22 in chapter 1. It says, So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. How convenient, right? How convenient they come at the time when it is at the beginning of barley harvest. And just a little a special add-in to that. You know, we all know this, what the city of Bethlehem is known as, right? The house of bread. It's the place called the house of bread. They came to the specific place where they were about to receive food to help them in their time. They came right when the grain was being harvested, and it was just so convenient. So if you will, look with me at Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and we'll begin our lesson. There was a relative of Naomi's husband 
a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth and the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heeds of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. The first thing, two points tonight. The first thing that I want us to consider and really take a few moments and think about is this understanding. That the Lord is in the details. Would you say amen to that? Would you say that that is a true statement? The Lord is in the details. Now, what we're about to see, and when you think about this in your life, it is absolutely true in itself. You have a story. There are some situations that happen that you may not be able to describe, but all of a sudden, it just seems like it comes together just at the right time, right? Two stories and one collision, Boaz and Ruth. And watch this. Verse 1 says, the chapter starts off by talking about a man named Boaz, a man of great wealth. Now, the Hebrew word means that he was valiant, that he had wealth, he had strength, that he had might, and he, was, and he had worth. This man was about a couple things. He knew how to make money. He knew how to uh, do things that would help his family, but he also was a godly man. Not only uh, that, but we see Boaz is of the family of Elimelech, the husband of Naomi. When all is hopeless for Naomi and everything looks so down, we see a ray of hope, and she has no idea how this is all working together. Because of Naomi's bitterness, had she been so blinded to the point of not realizing that there were some relatives of her late husband still around? I mean, you look at Boaz and we find out that he's a really good guy. Why in the world didn't Naomi say, look, I got the guy for you. <laughs> I got the guy for you, Ruth. But what had happened to Naomi? Naomi was still caught up in her bitterness. You remember? Oh, I went out full and I came back empty. I want to just touch on this and then I'm going to move on. Brethren, if you have bitterness in your heart, get it out as fast as you can. Because it will eat you up. It will eat you alive. It will consume you. It will bother you, it will irritate you, it will fester up, it will explode in your life and you never can get the joy that God wants you to see. You will never have the joy that God has prepared for you because you're so bitter about whatever the situation is. Instead of dealing with the situation, what does Naomi do? She loses sight of her focus. But what does Boaz, Boaz end up being? 
for Naomi and Ruth. Boaz ends up being a redeemer of sorts that this family so desperately needs. See, look at verse 4, and I love this thought. It says, Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. You know, it's one thing to be a Christian while everybody else is a Christian around you, right? (laughs) It's easy to do that. But isn't it hard sometimes when you're the only Christian around? How much godly things do we talk about when we're not surrounded by brethren? How many times do we bring up conversations about God is good and I'm so thankful for the things that he blesses me with, right? Because if people around us, especially in the world, see what we care about and then they see the way we act, they see the things we do, what does it do to them? It makes them think. And what am I doing? Just what Jesus told me to do. Shining my light in such a way that I affect who they are and I get to show them really the hope that is within me, right? Here's Boaz. He says, the Lord, bless you, the Lord be with you, and they return the conversation or the comment back to him with the Lord bless you. What does Boaz have his mind set on? Boaz's mind is set on probably the work that is at hand, but he has his mind fixed where it needs to be at. He has his mind set on godly things. What an introduction for this man. Boaz was a businessman who cared about the Lord. Now, fathers, I want to ask you this question. Doesn't that seem like a man you would want your daughter to marry? (laughs) I would say yes. Doesn't that seem like a man who you would want your daughter to marry? Absolutely. But look at Ruth. While Naomi is struggling with her bitterness issue, Ruth uh, takes the lead and she says, we got to get some food. Look at verse 2. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. Gleaning was a practice that was set up by God to allow the poor foreigners to have food. Keep your hands here and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 19. Verse 19 says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the uh, the work of your hands. When you beat the olive trees, you shall not go over uh, the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. 
When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the strangers, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. God reminds the Israelites why they are not to completely strip the fields. Come through, don't go back and get the rest. Don't clean everything up. Leave some for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow. And why is that? You know, God, we talked about this this morning. Keeping the commandments You remember we talked about the Greek word keep. It means to hold and not let go away. Keep it close to you. Keep your eyes upon it. In the Old Testament, here is this command given to them for what they are supposed to do. And why is it? To remind them that they were once poor and they were at one time in need themselves. Weren't they? I mean, here they come. Out of Egypt, right? They were in desperate need. You remember God said, I heard their cry. And he comes and he delivers them. What is God trying to do? What do we see in this simple principle here? When we remember God's commands, when we keep those things in our mind and we keep them afresh, it allows us to do exactly what God wants us to do. But see, we learned some immediate things about Ruth, even though we've uh, learned a little bit last week when we ta- or a couple weeks ago when we talked about her. But what we see is she's humble enough to go do it. She's humble enough to go out there and do that and glean up the rest of this uh, crop or whatever it is, whatever is left over. She's humble enough to go out there and get it. But it also shows that she's courageous enough to go to a strange field in a time where everybody did right in their own eyes. You remember? It was in the time of the judges. This was in the time where everybody did right what was in their own eyes. Who knows what could happen in the situation Who knows what she's about to encounter as she goes out here and begins to uh, gather some food for them to eat. Who knows what type of situation she's going to be in. But she does it anyway. What a courageous woman. You know, we, we talk about these women in the Bible and what we see is, man, these women were strong. These women had strong abilities. They had strong faith. But look at verse 3. It says, And she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. What a coincidence. <laughs> What a, I mean, just pure luck, right? Out of all the people she could have run into, out of all the fields that she could have been in, she just so happened to be in the field of Boaz. Brethren, that is an incredible thought. 
Because what this shows us, and we can go through story after story after story in the Bible, and we'll see this reoccurring. You think about Samuel and Saul. You think about how they come in contact. You think about all these situations in the Old Testament and how these things just so happen to work out. Brethren, I hear, I'm here to stand before you to say this. God is always working. Are we looking? Amen? Are we paying attention? Are we looking for the opportunity that the Lord is going to present before us? Or are we just too busy? Are we too busy to see it? Naomi couldn't see it. Naomi doesn't see it for a while. But when she starts to see it, boy, oh, could you imagine the change in her life? This book of Ruth is an incredible book. It's an incredible book to encourage you that what you're doing is not in vain. That opportunities are lying everywhere. But when we don't, have time to look because we're so caught up in whatever the situation is, we'll miss it. We'll miss it. Think about this. All Ruth was doing was what she was supposed to do. There was nothing out of the ordinary. She went to glean and get some food, and it just so happens to end up in the field of Boaz. Really? Ruth, why were you in that field? Because it was the closest one to where I was staying at. <laughs> right? Uh, why were you in that field? Well, because it actually had the best harvest. Do we know exactly why? No. But what we do know is she went to this field and here comes Boaz. Are we looking for those blessings? That brings us to the second point, and this will finish us off. I just wanted to set this up, and I promise you, if you hang with me, I'll give you a blessing. Just hang with me. The second thing to consider is this, the kindness of Boaz. Look at verses 5 through 7. It says, Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is uh, a, the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. What do we see? What we see is the Lord is playing matchmaker, <laughs> isn't he? The Lord is playing matchmaker. Ruth is the woman just as much as Boaz is the uh, father's dream for his daughter. Ruth is the uh, woman of every mother's dream for her son. Am I right about it? You remember those things that we talked about just a few minutes ago? She was committed to Naomi, wasn't she? She was not only committed, but she was caring. 
I'll go wherever you go. I'll do whatever you do, right? Your God will be my God. I'll live in the same place where you live. And she was humble. Look at verses 8 through 10. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to the glean, uh, do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. I have not commanded the young men, uh, I have uh, not I have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell down on her face. She fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? What does Ruth experience? And this is a huge application for us as Christians. She sees the kindness of a godly man and she is overwhelmed by Boaz's kindness to her. Boaz is being used, brethren. What is he being used for? He's being used for an instrument for the Lord. He is being used as an instrument of God to extend grace to Ruth. What about that application for us today? If you would, uh, keep your hands there and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And look at verse 11. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But verse 13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ruth says, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? Brethren, do you think about this when you come to the Lord as a sinner? Why do you take notice in me? Why do you care about me? Why do you care about me, Lord? You remember on the day of Pentecost when they were pricked to the heart, they realized they had killed the Christ. Could you imagine that feeling? Why would you want to accept me, Lord? Why would you want to be my leader, my savior? Because I love you. Because I care about you. 
because all I want to do is have a relationship with you. God kind of plays matchmaker with us, doesn't he? Not in the same way that Ruth and Boaz have a relationship, but in the same way spiritually. Does God not want to have a relationship with us? Has God not provided all of these ways for us to be found right in his eyes? When the Lord shows his mercy and his grace, it doesn't just come a little bit, does it? He doesn't just show it a little bit. He's not a a penny pincher. Isn't that what that's called? Did I say that right? A penny pincher? No, he's not a penny pincher when it comes to showing favor. What does he do? He lavishes it on us. How do I know that? What does Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 tell us? That all spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus. If you continue down in that chapter, what do you see and what do you find? You find redemption. You find forgiveness. You find reconciliation. You find all of these things that God has poured out on us and he has showed us this grace and he showed us this mercy. Ruth stands before Boaz and she's like, I don't understand this. I don't understand how I could uh, have found favor in your eyes. But watch the grace that Boaz shows Ruth. Look at verse 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and full and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. What does Boaz do? He speaks kindly to her. He says, I know what you have done. You think about the things that Boaz does for this Moabitess. Yes, she's, she's come with Naomi. Boaz knows he's kin to Naomi. But he tells her, have I not? You remember in verse 9, he says, let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Think about that application. Is that how we are today? Are we looking for the opportunity to help somebody? Or do we let those things pass away? Look at verse 14. It says, Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of the bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her. And she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. 
think about all of the things that, what did she start out trying to do? She just started trying to go out and get something. And what does she end up with? Boy, let me tell you something. The gospel works the same way. If you're here today and you're searching for something, if you're here today and you're looking for something, go no further than this, the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't go no further. I've tried it myself. I've tried to do whatever I thought was right in my own eyes, and it always kept me short. But you know what? When I saw the cross, when I saw the things that were offered to me, it changed who I was. And I say, who am I, Lord? You're my child, and I love you. And I'll take you to places that you've never been. Look what he does for her. She sat beside the reapers and he passed the parched grain to her. And she ate and she was satisfied and she kept some back. She has more than enough. <laughs> you want blessings beyond comp? Hey, you know what, Matt? Don't tell me that, man. I'm, I'm in a tough spot, man. Don't tell me that. I'm in a tough spot. You think Ruth wasn't in a tough spot? Her husband's dead. She decides to go with Naomi. She leaves her family. She leaves her world and decides to go to a place that she has no idea about. She's about to serve a God she has no idea about. She's about to live with people she has no idea how to live, how they live and the things that they do. But she does it. And what happens? She's blessed. He speaks kind to her. Ruth is invited to eat, and she has more than enough. Now look at verses 15 and 16. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. I mean, who does that for somebody? Huh? They don't do it for somebody. (laughs) I mean, if you put yourself in their shoes, they're probably not too happy about this rule. Right? Would you be? I mean, money we talking about. You telling me that I can't come back and get the rest of my crop? No, you can't. You can't come back and get the rest of it. But he says, you know what? Purposefully drop some for her. Let her get enough. Let her get more than enough. God is setting up a collision, and here it is. The same things happen to us. Are we looking for the opportunities? Are we looking for those situations? Do we see something and say, you know what? I have no idea how this happened. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I could sit here and tell you about my life, and I could tell you about specific situations. How in the world is Danny mowing my grass? He loves it. He talks about it all the time, right? It's his favorite yard to mow. All kinds of sermons come from that yard, boy. 
I could go on and on. It wasn't just coincidence. It was an opportunity for me to jump on. It was an opportunity for me to start thinking about my life, thinking about the situations that were happening to me. On and on we all could go. On and on we could think about the situations in our lives and how they just happened, right? I mean, I always think about Joshua, I mean Joseph. I think about his story all the time. Look at verses 15 and 16 again. It says, And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke for her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, so she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? (laughs) I mean, think about, if you end this story, you can appreciate this statement. I mean, Naomi has probably little confidence in what Ruth's about to do. Am I right about it? And here she comes back and says, well, here's what I got. I mean, she's like, who knows how it's coming, right? She's filled up, and here's what I got set back for you. She says, <laughs> she says, uh, let me find my place. I'm sorry. This is great stuff. Is it not? I mean, come on. I mean, I would much rather read about Ruth than go home and watch some nasty show on TV. Amen? I mean, so he says, So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And then when she comes to her mother-in-law, verse 19, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. What's going on? Naomi's starting to come out of this beardness a little bit, ain't she? She's like, wait a minute, you got a lot of stuff. How in the world did this happen? Look at verse 20. I mean, look at verse 19. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he Of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth's like, Really? (laughs) It's Boaz, this guy named Boaz. Yeah, Boaz, we kin kin to Boaz, right? That's my husband's. Family. Ruth and the Moabites said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that the people do not meet you in any other field. 
So she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. The grace of Boaz. He speaks kind to her. Ruth is invited in to eat. Ruth has more than enough. Boaz supplies her with food. And she has an abundance. And she sticks so close. Now I want to close with this thought. I want you to turn back and I want to look at verses 11 and 12. And I want, to make, I want to pull the story, and I want to make a little bit of application for us, and then the lesson will be yours. And I want to say this, brethren. Here's what I want to tell you. You're awesome, you're incredible, and you're a special people. You belong to a God who is an awesome God. Don't forget it. Don't waste an opportunity to see what he's trying to do in your life. I don't care if anybody else knows. You are important. And God has a mission for you. Get on board. Go change somebody's life. Go encourage somebody with the truth. Don't wait around and be asleep at the wheel and miss what he's got for you. Look at what happens when Boaz talks to her. He says... It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Brethren, is it not encouraging when we hear about the things that we got going on in the faith? I talked to such and such, and maybe I got a Bible study going, right? I talked to such and such who's just been so discouraged. And you know what they told me when I came over there and talked to them? They so appreciated it. We can do that. Every single one of us has the ability to talk to members of our family that are around us that not all of us can talk to. I wish I could talk to every single person in your family for 45 minutes every single day, but I just can't do it. But you can. Just a text, just a call, just a something spiritual. Matt, I've been trying for years. They ain't trying to hear it. Keep on doing what you're doing. It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Brethren, let this be your verse for the week. Let this be what you meditate on. Let this be what you think about when you get down and you get out. Verse 12, the Lord repay your work. And a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> it reminds me of a verse in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 6. You remember, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Well, why is that? 
Because he uh, who comes to God must believe that he is, and here's the second part of it, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do we believe that God is a rewarder? How are our actions? What are the things that we're doing? Are we doing some things that we're probably not supposed to be doing? Have we lived uh, our lives in such a way that we've messed some stuff up? And all of a sudden we find ourselves blaming God, being bitter to God, just like Naomi was. But what happens to Naomi's eyes? They begin to open up, right? When she probably has no confidence in Ruth and what she's going to do, and she comes back and says, here's your stuff. I'm full. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Brethren, have a great week. Have a great week at work. Pray for the opportunity to talk to somebody about the hope that is in you. Look for a chance to change somebody's life. Look for the opportunity to affect somebody so they'll look towards Jesus and the cross. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Oh, I love doing this and I appreciate you guys listen to me yell at you. I love it. Because y'all can't get, well, you can't get up and leave, I guess, but you didn't, so I appreciate it. I got guests here and I'm, I hope I didn't yell y'all off. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. You can make that right today. If you need prayers, uh, we can help you with that. If you need to talk to the elders, uh, we can work that out. But if you're here today and you're not a child of God, man, you're missing out on all kind of blessings. Because the Bible tells us that it's appointed for man to die once and then he'll face the judgment. And I talked about it this morning just a little bit and I want to just say this again. I don't really think that we appreciate and understand fully what it's going to be like to stand in front of the Lord. We don't know about that spiritual side. We're going to be in complete awe. We're going to be every knee will bow and every tongue will confess because that's how mighty he is. But if you've lived your life the right way, if you're his child, if you've been forgiven of your sins and you have the ability to call and have your sins forgiven through Jesus Christ, you're in a good place. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you want to become a child of God, don't wait. Don't wait anymore. Let this be the day that you change your life forever and receive all spiritual blessings that come in Christ Jesus. If you need prayers, whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing. There is a fountain.